Matthew chapter number four. If you're glad to be saved, say amen. amen. Stand to your feet, which is my custom, as we read the word of God for just a second. Matthew chapter number four and verse number four. You Bible readers know that Jesus is being tempted by the devil. He's been led up of the spirit and of the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, verse number one said. Bible verse number two said, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Verse number four. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for just a few moments that you'd help us to preach your word, give us strength, help me to say everything that you want me to say and nothing that you do not. I pray you'd encourage us, strengthen us. I pray, Lord, if there is one here that does not know you as their Savior, save them this night, we pray. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, you may be seated. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the world that you and I are living in and understand that we are living in some crazy days. Chaotic days, troublesome days, worrisome days. As a father, I am concerned about the society and the environment in which I am raising my children. As a pastor, I'm concerned about the Laodicean church age that we seem to be in when there's a lukewarmness and I wonder if people even care concerning the things of God. As an American, I'm really concerned about our nation. And as a human being, mankind is facing things that we never thought we would ever face. As a preacher... And as a pastor, which is strange to me, but it is the role God has me in now, I find that I'm taking more phone calls than I used to take. I'm having more conversations than I used to have from unbelievers even. Even the world is recognizing that something is going on. And in these shaky days... In these troublesome days, for the people of God, we have a firm foundation upon which we can stand. I thank God for the parable that Jesus taught about the rains descending and the winds blowing and one man built his house upon the sand only for the winds and the waves and the storm to wash away the home. Only for the other man to build his house upon the rock. And the same storm brewed, and the same winds blew, and the same rains fell. But this house stood firm because of what that which it was built upon. And in 2021, about to enter into 2022, I thought the Jetsons would take over by now. But here we are almost in 2022. And for the people of God, the foundation that we have is as solid today 
as it's ever been. And tonight, I look at the words of Jesus when He was tempted in a hard, difficult season for Him. There are many things that you and I probably could think that Jesus could have said to the devil when He was tempted, but yet, He did not use philosophy. He did not use His opinion. He used the very words of God. And in Matthew 4 and 4, He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I got to thinking about the words that proceedeth from the mouth of God. What some amazing, powerful words that have come from the mouth of God. I'm glad we have 66 books of God's mind on paper. The very words of God, inspired words, pure words, holy words, preserved words, personal words, uh, total empowerment words that came from the mouth of God. It was the words of God that said, let there be light, and there was light. It was the word of God that spoke into nothing and came everything. And tonight, I want us to agree to this statement that if we tried to preach on every word that proceeded from the mouth of God, from now, years and years and years, we still would not exhaust the beginning of the words of God. Now, y'all would be proud of me because I'm not just an evangelist anymore. I'm a pastor now. That means I've got more than five sermons. Somebody say amen. And I've learned to preach in series. And a series I'm fixing to preach at the house is expository on the words of God. And tonight I'm only going to touch on two. And I'm going to try it out on y'all. And if it goes good, I'll preach it at the house. I want to preach on two words that came from the mouth of God. And that is the two words, I will. I will. Powerful words that have come from the mouth of God. Number one, we find these words, I will, in Scripture in the book of Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 18. Where he said, I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will, there it is, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Here with these first, you find them all through Scripture. I only chose three. Y'all, Brother Josh can preach the rest of them next Sunday. Amen. But, 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 but in this one I'm specifically talking about, promise number one, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What a joy it is. To be titled amongst the people of the church of the living God. I know we have many denominations, many different uh, uh, distinctions amongst the household of faith. But may I say, when we get to heaven, ain't none of that stuff going to be around at all. It is simply going to be the people of God. 
saved, those that are blood washed by the blood of the Lamb. And for all of these centuries now, the world and the flesh and the devil has been trying to stamp out and to destroy the church but every time it has failed because, not because we've had good pastors, not because we've had good preachers, not because we've had high levels of organization and structure, but because the church is the only organization in the entire world that is based upon and founded upon the promise of our Redeemer that said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Nero, with all of his power and with all of his authority, tried his best to stamp out the church as a whole. He would dip those that claimed to be Christians in oil and would put them upon uh, sticks and would light them on fire as human lamps trying to eradicate the Christian people a missionary later years and years later read the historical account of Nero and all of his efforts to stamp out the church and Christianity and they said there I believe in the Vatican or somewhere where Nero's body lays there this powerful man this strong man this royal man with all of his money and power and intellect that gave everything that he had to destroy the church and stamp out the church they said this missionary stood over the Vatican overlooking the area where Nero's body laid and he said Nero you're laying in the grave but we're still here Nero we're still here and what a joy in 2021 to know that the church has been here and the church is here and until Jesus sounds the alarm and comes back for us we will still be here it doesn't matter who they put in Washington D.C. it doesn't matter what legislation they pass it doesn't matter what comes down the pipeline for us that say by the grace of God we're living on the promise that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church if you believe that give God praise tonight in this text we have the promise of participants the promise of participants when Jesus said I will build my church he wasn't talking about the steeples or the pews. He wasn't talking about the organ, which I got a good organ player at the house. He wasn't talking about the piano, which I used to have a good piano player at the house. He wasn't talking about all the things that was within the church. He was talking about the people in the church. And when he said, I will build my church, we have a promise that He's going to keep on saving sinners. And aren't you glad in 2021, the blood that shed from Calvary's mountain 2,000 some years ago still has enough power to save the souls of men and women today as it ever has before. Oh, the blood of Jesus can still take a black heart and wash it in red blood and it can come out as white as snow. 
And no matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, there is still access and availability to call upon the name of Jesus and find a Savior that can save anybody, anywhere, anytime. Aren't you glad that you were a candidate for salvation? Aren't you glad that you were a whosoever will? Aren't you glad that God in His mercy and His love, when you and I deserved hell and its fullness, His blood was shed enough for you and I that when we called on the name of Jesus, heaven came in, hell moved out, the Holy Ghost took up residence because of the promise of participation. And I know the world wants to say that the church's best days are behind. That we're in the gleaning stage. And I know Jesus is about to come back. But until He does, the door is still wide open. And if I was here tonight and didn't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I was going to heaven when I died, hear me. You better watch the news. You better pay attention. you got to be buried your head in the sand right now to not know that everything this Bible said was going to happen is happening right before your very eyes. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? We have the promise of participants. We have the promise of protection. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. What a promise we have to know that every attack that hell sends our way, we have all of heaven guarding and protecting the church. I remember my phone call with Brother Josh, your pastor, when I got the call to be a pastor. And I was calling all my preacher friends trying to get them to talk me in to stay in in evangelism. Because in evangelism, you ain't got no deacons meetings. And you ain't got no finance team meetings. Yeah, my ministry was my name. I didn't, ha- I didn't have to ask Becky what I did. But now, it's a different world. In my first year of pastoring, the Lord saw fit to allow a worldwide pandemic to hit all of us. And I, got, I went to seminary. I got a degree on the wall. I've got all those things, but I just, I went through my files. I could find no class on how to pastor through a pandemic. So me and Brother Kenny and Brother Josh and a couple of us more, we just called each other. Whatever what they did is what I did because I didn't have a clue. But I remember as we went through it and it seemed like we'd break free for a little bit and then we'd have another little wave and all these things and At one point in time, I looked out and seen the numbers and I started pastoring a church with this many people. And with, at the end of my first year, I had this many people. I thought, I'm probably not going to keep my job if things continue the way they are. I would love to tell y'all that every single Sunday that I walk out of the pulpit and walk out of my office patting myself on the back saying, good job, old CT, you did good today. But the majority of the time, in those days... I was discouraged. I was worried. What's going to happen? They told me that we can't pass an offering plate. How in the world? I got 30 employees that work under me. How in the world am I going to pay that staff? How in the world... Am I going to make sure the CT Towns Ministries continues to exist and all these different things we got going on Church shut down. 
And to my amazement, the financial secretary sent me a text and said, you ain't going to believe it, preacher. The offerings weren't what they usually are. I said, I know. She said, no, it ain't bad. She said, it was 15,000 more than it usually is. Don't do that yet. Don't do that yet. Because I'm a Baptist. I thought, somebody is afraid they're going to die and they back tithing. Yeah, that's all that is. It ain't going to last. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The preacher gave me a list of all y'all. I got you by name. I'm coming your road. Just hold on. But but, but I thought, that ain't going to last like that. And week after week after week, it didn't go down. It steadily. And I thought, praise God. And when I went to look through it, I couldn't see where old Mr. So-and-so loved the church so much that he drug it out of trouble. It was just common folks that God used financially to take care of the church. And then I watched the church begin to grow. Our church didn't sink during COVID. Somehow it grew. And I don't know how. I can't explain that. But somehow God's blessing and God's favor as it grew. And I remember in that season when it really was teeter-tottering and I didn't know what was going to happen. And I went to my office one Sunday and I put my Bible on the desk and just felt like I preached the worst sermon that I'd ever preached and felt like I won't be able to get this job long. And Lord knows when I went to pastor and I thought, well, if I don't do good at pastor and I'll just go back into evangelism and the whole world shut down and nobody's having revival. And now I don't even have that option. And I remember being real discouraged one Sunday, telling the Lord, what am I going to do? Lord, give me an idea. Give me something. Tell me something I need to do. And it's as if, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was much louder than that. As the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and said, whose church is it? Is it your church? Or is it my church? You see, because I'm treating it like it's my church. I'm the one that's messing it up. I'm the one. I'm not preaching the right sermon. I'm not doing good enough. And the Holy Ghost led me to this verse. And reminded me that it's not my church. It's His church. I repented. Oh God, forgive me. Have your way. I'll be faithful to do my part. I'll study, spend time with God, love people to the best of my ability. And you'll do your part. Because it's your church. What a pressure that took off me. What a joy. I'll never forget the very next Sunday. I went behind the pulpit. It was an average Sunday. Nothing really dynamic. Went through church. Had a good service. Monday morning went in my office. We was about to have staff meeting. Miss Cindy, my secretary, come in. She said, preacher, you've got to read this email. It was an email from a family that were first time visitors in our church just the day before. They uh, had sent an email and said that they were new to the area and that they were they got on Google and was Googling churches in our area, didn't even register us whatsoever. 
which kind of made me mad, but somehow that works. And they Googled all these different, found another church they was going to go to that Sunday, coming down Martintown Road, which is what our church is on. And we've got a bunch of teenagers out by the front road, right on Martintown Road. It probably ain't safe. It probably ain't a good idea, but they love doing it. And they got these big old signs. Some of them say, we love North Augusta. Some of them say, turn in here for a good church. Uh, Some of them uh, say, uh, one of them says, honk if you love Jesus. Them teenagers, they don't care how many people get saved. They don't care how many people come to church. They care every Monday morning on my little report. I get how many honks they got at the front road that day. That's all they care about. And all these people are driving by and our kids are waving these signs. We love North Augusta. Turn in here for a good church. Honk if you love Jesus. And one Sunday there was a, this family emailed, said we were going to the other church and we seen them kids with them signs on the side of the road. And the wife said, that looks like an interesting church. And one of the kids said, that's a sign from God, Daddy. They turned around, came inside of our parking lot, unbeknownst to us. They fit in. They, they hit out. We didn't even know they were there that day, hardly. Uh, and, and they sent the email, and they, they said uh, what a joy it was, that it was the friendliest church that they'd ever been to. And, and over the next couple of weeks, they kept coming back, and they kept coming back. The daddy got right with God. The mama got right with God. The kids got fully involved. And I, I began to watch as God blessed this family, and God began to use this family family as God began to build his church right in front of my eyes. It wasn't long in through that process that one of the staff members, as we were going through the process with them, said, Pastor, uh, need to tell you something. I know you love that family and all, but they're not married. And I thought, oh Lord, Y'all know what that means. Lord, my head hurts, my stomach hurts, came from my cigarettes. Oh, Lord. You say, what did you do, Pastor? Did you call them in and have a conference? No. It ain't my church. It ain't my church. It's his church. So you didn't say nothing. No, I preached the word. I did my best to preach the word. I can't say that it don't come up in the sermon every now and then, but I preached the word and I loved them. I'll never forget, several weeks later, uh, we were uh, having a picnic on Sunday night at the camp meeting grounds and this lady comes up to me and it was her, the, the part of this family and she was still in her Sunday morning clothes. You could tell she ain't been home and I said, Honey, why Why ain't you, why, why you still got your Sunday morning clothes on? She said, Preacher, I've been planning a wedding all day long. I said, Whose wedding you planning? She trying to drop her head. She said, Preacher, you may not know this about us, but We've never really been married. We've been together for 12 years. We've got kids, but just common law, we've never been married. But we've been thinking. Since we've been coming to church, God's been so good to us, we want to do things the right way. And we have decided that if we want to have everything God has for us, we got to get married. I acted like I didn't know. I said, praise God, girl. Hallelujah. I said, when are you getting married? She said, Saturday. I said, who's going to marry you? She said, well, my hairstylist is going to go online tomorrow and get her ordination online, and she's going to marry us. My hand to God. And and I said, no, ma'am. She said, what, Pastor? I said, if I'm going to be your preacher, I'm going to marry you. She said, you would do that? 
I said, yeah. And that Saturday, I met them at a little park in Augusta. I took my Bible. I met them and their family and their co-workers right under this little rotunda. And I took a Bible and I got to marry this little couple right there in the side of Augusta. And just last week, I seen as I was walking into a session, going into a little room to have a little class, I walked out there and there the daddy was taking the kids over to Victory Kids. And there the mama was with her little continue book and her Bible in her hand going to discipleship class. And he was going to drop them off and go meet her in the discipleship class and the little kid said hey Pastor CT we love you and I was glad to see that boy I was glad to see the mama I was glad to see the daddy but the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and said do you remember when you were trying to build your church and you stayed depressed but do you remember when you reminded yourself that it's not your church it's my church and look what I'm doing I'm still building my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Somebody help me give God praise that he will continue building his church. You say, well, I would have talked to him. Well, you pastor your church, I'll pastor mine. God will build his church. That's number one. I will. He said, I will build my church. Number two, I will, comes out of Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number five. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a wonderful I will, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Aren't you glad that not only did God give us the promise of his church, could you imagine where you'd be today without a good church? Could you imagine what life would be like without a household of faith? I appreciate the church more now than I ever have before. I love the church I get to go to. I've always been a roadie. I always had it in my blood. I want to go, 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 go. I can't go enough. And now they're having to kick me out of the office to go anywhere. I love the place that God... Could you imagine what life would be like without the church? And isn't it interesting? I ain't got a little preaching right here. This will be free. Isn't it interesting how the only place you can get COVID is at church? You know, I need some people I ain't seen since this thing started. But I go to Target. There they is. Walmart. There they are. Georgia football game. The camera goes right on them and I see them with 50,000 people. But they can't come to church. What a, what a miserable life to not prioritize the place of God. That was free. I can't say it at my church. So I'll say it for you at your church. Amen. You come preach for me and you say it, all right? I will, point number two, I'm trying to get there. I will never leave thee. What a promise that he will never leave us. I will. He said it. I will never leave thee. Just recently, uh, 
Pastor Josh mentioned it, but my hero, my mentor, my pastor, Dr. Brown, I believe he's preached here years ago, wide open, machine gun, if y'all think I'm wild, you ain't seen nothing. He'd walk the backs of them seats and never look down. Just a preaching machine, loved people, people loved him. He's a church building genius, great man, got Parkinson's disease and when it got real bad, he asked me to come home and pastor the church. And uh, things, I was with him at his house on his front porch back in May. We laughed and cut up and told old stories and laughed about old times. And before I left that day, he looked at me. He said, I'm not going to be here much longer. He said, I began to pray that God would take me home. I said, preacher, you've been saying that for years you can't go nowhere. I said, I, we need you. You know, I was trying to encourage him best I could. And just a few weeks ago now, um, he fell and broke his hip and wasn't really that that got him. Just he laid down and the complications of all of it um, got so bad that before we knew it in real fast mode, hospice was called in. And I was FaceTiming him on the phone one day and seemed like the next day he was out. And I got a phone call from his wife and said, you and Becky need to get here as soon as you can. It doesn't look like Preacher Brown is going to be here very long. We went to the house and Preacher Brown was there in the bed and we gathered around and we sung a little bit prayed a little bit, talked to him. He was pretty much out of it, even uh, for weeks now. He'd been in and out of the hospital with that hip problem. And Miss Brown said he hadn't hardly communicated or talked at all. The Parkinson's got in his chin and into his tongue, and he was a, had a real hard time communicating uh, in those days. And we gathered around the bed, and Miss Brown would talk to him for a bit. Becky, uh, he was pretty much like a dad to her, and she would talk to him and we'd get around and the whole family was there at this point. He'd open his eyes for a little bit and acknowledge that we was there and he'd say amen or something like that that you could barely understand, but no communication hardly at all. Near the end, uh, he had opened his eyes wide open and he said, pray. So we gathered around, began to pray and you could see his little chin moving and as he was praying, laying in that bed, and he started to go back to sleep. And I, his preaching Bible was laying on the desk beside of us. And I grabbed his little preaching Bible and I started reading through some of his favorite texts that he preached out of for years and years. And he'd just shake his head. I got to Psalm chapter number 23. And I was going to read Psalm 23 to the Rev. That's what I always called him. I said, Rev, I'm going to read Psalm 23. He shook his head said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Out of nowhere, the rev opened his eyes out loud and said, He restoreth my soul. And started quoting Psalm 23 better than I was reading it. We got over there, Yea, though I walk, through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? 
for thou art with me. When I got to that part that says, I will fear no evil, he opened his eyes and looked up. And out loud, probably five or six times, he kept saying, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Preacher Brown went, Amen. Closed his eyes. And a few hours later, he went to heaven. The last conversation I had with him was him saying, I'm not afraid. Why was he not afraid? What's the difference of a generation that you hear them screaming and hollering as weeping and all this stuff as somebody's dying, but yet in the home of a saint of God, there's peace in that home. Because there's one there who said, I will never leave thee. And all I could see was the Lord reaching His hand out to preacher. Saying, come on. Hand in hand, led Him across the Jordan. Based on the promise, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, who's going to lead you? Who you got directing you in this life? I know this world thinks we're a bunch of nuts, but we on the right boat. Because we have a Savior that said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And I don't know what you're going through tonight. I would be a fool to think that everybody here walked in this meeting with everything in your life just as you want it to be. What a wonderful promise that no matter who you are, or what you're going through, there is a Savior that will walk with you every single step of the way. I will never leave thee. I will, number one, build my church. I will, number two, never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then for the last one, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John. Chapter number 14. John, chapter number 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe this also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, here comes. I will come again. And receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. What a powerful, I will. I will build my church. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And I will come again. I, I know what time it is and I got to go. But First Thessalonians 4 and verse number 16. For the Lord Himself 
shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And in these uncertain days, and in these fearful days, and in these days that are filled with turmoil, and as the world is looking to the left and looking to the right, everything is setting up for one thing to happen, and they're looking for somebody that can declare peace to this entire mess. But hear me, I don't care who you put in Washington, D.C. I don't care if it's a blue crowd or a red crowd. They do not have the ability to fix the problems that is going on in our world and this country. But it is all set up for this one system, a one world love system, a one world church. Here comes cryptocurrency on the scene. That's going to be a one world monetary system. Everything is in place. China is in position. Russia is in position. I I don't know if you saw the news this week, but Israel today releases a statement that said we're nervous and we're worried because for the first time we do not know where America stands in relation with Israel and with all of these things going on. I'm not depressed. I'm not worried. I'm not fearful because the Bible said, child of God, when you see these things, don't look down. Don't watch Fox. God help you. Don't watch CNN. Don't look at the things going on here. But child of God, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. For in the twinkling of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, at any single moment, I'm not looking for a sign. I'm listening for a shout. Because for all of these years, faithful men of God have told us, you better get in. You better get saved. Because there's coming a day when two's going to be in the field. One's going to be left and the other's going to go away. And child of God, that brings me joy to know we're closer today than we've ever been before. He can come back before we get out of church tonight. Jesus is coming back. If you listen closely, the angels in heaven are standing at attention. If we know it's close, they know it's close because at any time, Jesus could step out on the cloud. He's not going to have Gabriel do it. Michael the archangel's not going to do it. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the one that died on Calvary, is going to split the skies wide open and the trump of God's going to sound and every dead body that died with Christ is going to get up out. Well, I feel like preaching now. Going to get up out of the grave and then we, which are alive and remain, gravity is going to lose its hold on our body. And I hate to tell you, I'm out of here, honey. I'm heaven bound. I'm going to heaven for all eternity. Jesus is coming back. What a powerful I will. Does this piano work? Ben, come on, help me. We either one. If you like the red one better, that's got, got Garrett on it. Whatever you want to do, it don't matter to me. I ain't going to pay you no more, whichever one you play. <laughs> Give me a G. Can you play a G? You remember how to play it? I know it's been a while for you. I told you to get on another one. You didn't listen to me. Are you on now? There you go. Listen. For the child of God, I know things are crazy. I know personally of some people in this room that's fighting struggles. I know personally at my place, people that's fighting hell by the acre, grief, 
We probably all by now know somebody that's probably went to heaven with this terrible virus going across our world. But for the child of God, the best days are not behind us. The best days are ahead of us. Preacher Brown went to heaven and I've been thinking about heaven ever since because seemingly 39 years old I feel like I'm starting to have more over there than I have over here. I got the best mom-in-law in the whole world. That's all. I'm the only man ever liked his mother-in-law and God took my mother-in-law to heaven early. Got a mother-in-law over on the other side. And if we could see heaven right now, she's there with my little boy, Cashton. And God saw fit to let Miss Carol raise my boy in heaven. If you're going to be raised, you might as well get raised in heaven. That's a good place to get raised. I've got dear saints of God that I've loved down through the years that stood with me and prayed for me. And right now, they're in a place that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. And I know we're going to watch the news tomorrow probably and there's going to be something that... Ah, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it? But for the people of God, Scott said it, this world's not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm a sojourner. I'm a stranger. Jason, going to be no more sickness in that land. All red kids, going to be no more struggles. Not in that land. <laughs> there is coming a day when no heartaches shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eyes. All is peace forevermore. Oh, that happy golden shore. Hey, what a day. Glorious day. That's going to be. Listen to the second verse. There'll be no sorrow there. And no more burdens to bear. <laughs> no more sickness. Uh, yeah. Oh, and no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me what a day glorious day that's gonna be y'all be the choir stand up sing a chorus with me and what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face 
the one who saved me by his grace when he takes me oh what a day glorious day that